0: Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Well, we're, we're in the middle of a series called In His Presence. And uh, there really is nothing more important in your life for you to actively be doing than entertaining the presence of God. You give your life to Jesus and you understand the, 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 uh, the, the process or, or how, how he has saved you, right? This is a big deal. When you, in, then you enter into his presence, once you enter into his presence, the, the most important thing you can do in your life is entertain his presence. I wish that this was something that was the thing I was the best at. Um, I, I really do. Some people that I know, are like so in love with entertaining his presence. And the, the benefits from entertaining his presence that I see in their life creates a hunger and a longing in me to dive in. And so I, I know the Lord has really stirred this series up for us to get centered. First, to abandon fear, right? We, we drop off of fear and shame, and then we understand that the way we enter his presence isn't by trying to work hard to gain approval, right? And so we don't enter his presence with all this toxic shame. That was the last message we are talking about. But today I wanna talk a lot about God's benefits package. See, God has the best benefits package on the planet. There is no better workman's compensation or compensation for your work and effort than the plan that God has set forward. So he has the best benefit package ever. The best onboarding process to bring you in onto his team. He's got the best compensation plan. And he also has a benefits package that is absolutely unmatched and his retirement is to die for. <laughs> this wild thing happens in Uh, early on in Israel's history is after they escape Egypt, God makes them a nation, which is a wild thing to think about is in the midst of oppression and slavery, God makes them a nation. That's really where the population exploded and the nation of Israel uh, just absorbed and it just gobbled up all of the resources from Egypt. And then when when The Lord sends all these miracles. They just ravage. They take all this stuff from the world. This robs from the enemy, and God builds a nation from the riches of the world and establishes them as his kids. It's this crazy thing, but I know there's a lot in that. But then he does all these miracles, and he sends them across the Red Sea, and then they end up in the wilderness, and God is feeding them, and he's providing for them. And this generation that had a, a slavery mindset they had a restricted mindset. They had this mindset that came out of, I was a slave and my whole life, I, I, everything was limited, and only what I got was when I worked hard and it was and, and then I, I, I survived. It wasn't even a fair transaction in slavery. You know, when you and I as Americans we work and then we earn, we work and then we, we earn a fair wage. And if we don't, we go pound our fists to the ju- judiciary branch of our government, we say, I deserved more, right? We form labor unions, and then we like fight back against the man. You know, when you're a slave, you don't get to do that. You don't have that voice. And so when the Israelites came out of slavery, they came out of a slavery mindset. And God is wanting to move his people out of a slavery mindset and into a kingdom mindset, which is a mindset of prosperity. And the way we do this is about understanding what he's done for us. What we are entering into. What is his benefits package? So we find the Israelites now under the the leadership of Moses. God establishes his leadership really, really strong. And they're in the desert. And they're wandering around. They get up right alongside the land that God had promised to Abraham. And now they were going to enter into as now a nation. So God promised Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. He makes him a nation in Egypt. All right? And through all his sons. And then he brings them back. He's like, I'm going to take you back to this promised land, this place of rest. And so the Israelites find themselves right up against the edge. And, and, and Moses sends Joshua and Caleb and a bunch of other spies to go out and check out the land. So they go in there and they go check it out. And Joshua and Caleb, they're thinking, this is going to be Amazing. They see everything that God had provided for them and they believed in the promise that God had said, which was it was given to them. It belonged to them. And all the other spies came back and told Moses something else. This is too hard for us. We could never do this. Look at the obstacles. There's giants in the land. We're gonna die. It is too sparse and scarce. Well, resources we have could never make a way for us there. They looked at their presence rather than his. See, in your presence, you cannot overcome the enemy and the obstacles in your life, nor could I. In your your presence, in your work, in your efforts, you could never overcome all the work of the enemy. And you could never work hard enough to actually provide a real, true place of rest for yourself. Something happened in the garden. And it was a curse that came on man. And on mankind. Is that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they fall from God's perfect presence and provision. Out of his presence is the lack of provision. and they fall out of of his provision, and now they have to work the ground so it will give them a return. And this is why retirement is so hilarious. It's because it's working against you all the time. And it's as if we thought or think we deserve that. How many generations throughout world history ever thought about, I'm gonna go retire? Probably not very many. Maybe the last 150 years in America, almost only. And then the aristocracy, right? Kings, they thought about that. Vacation time, that's hilarious too, right? How many people ever got a break? This is the mindset we have, though. And see, out of God's perfect presence is work. Work for return. Not a place of rest, but a place of toil and work. And he said, look, you're gonna work the land and it's gonna have to be worked so you can just survive So we find the Israelites there trusting in their own nature, their own presence, their own power, and there is one thing that causes them not to go in. It was their go into the promised land. It was their lack of belief. Their unbelief is the very thing that kept them from God's benefit package. It kept them from onboarding into his presence, into his perfect provision. And God had to wait for a mindset to completely die out from that generation because they were unwilling to believe until the next generation had a different mindset, one of only seeing God provide every day with manna. They saw a different kind of God, a God of provision when there was nothing, and so their mindset was shifted in his presence and understanding who he is. And so when they looked at the Jordan and they looked at the the promised land, they saw it differently than the generation that was born into slavery. So each one of us, and this is what I believe God wants to shift in our church, is a mindset. A church mindset that is restricted in, in, in the limitations of what we could do. A church mindset that is working To earn something. Like I said before, his presence is not for sale. You can't buy it. His power is not for sale. You don't get to earn it. His presence, his power is a gift. You walk into it one way. Hebrews chapter four, verse one. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. New covenant now, okay? New covenant reading in the New Testament, book of Hebrews, but it is referring to the same story that I just laid out for you of Israel entering the promised land and getting stuck or trying to enter the promised land and getting stuck and then when Joshua takes them in, they experience the fullness of all of what God had promised to them. But here's here it is, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this is good news, that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. So we have two groups of people, those that have faith, and believe and entered into his rest, and then those who did not have faith and they failed to enter into his rest. They missed his blessing. Just because God has prepared something doesn't mean it's gonna do you good. Because you're a part of this equation. You're standing on one side of the Jordan. I'm standing on one side of the Jordan River and it's the one thing that's between you and I. And it is impossible for you and I to just cross that Jordan in our own strength. Faith, the belief, what God has done and he will provide for you and I in that space, that is the thing that splits the Jordan and allows you and I to walk across. In a spiritual sense, it is faith in Jesus that allows the waters, baptism in a sense, to split so that we can be saved. And he does the saving. Our belief engages that and it splits those that impassable uh, uh, barrier and brings us into the land he promised. But this is not just about that land of Israel, okay? We're talking about a spiritual land in your heart, in your life right now. And this is what Hebrews is trying to do, is get this metaphor of the things that God had laid in advance before. And the Bible even says in Hebrews that that Moses' life was like this gigantic foreshadowing of all the things Jesus would fulfill. It's pretty rad. And this whole example is this big example of thing that God wants to fulfill in your life and my life and it's an everyday thing. But it, verse three, for only we who believe can enter His rest. As for others, God said, "In my anger, I took an oath that they will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since He made the world." Do you see? God created this place of rest for you and I before He started the whole plan. Everything was put in order. We know it is ready because of the place in Scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard of this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the word words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Verse 8, now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Should we pray? It's yes. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. Uh, it's gonna be really good. Father, in the name of Jesus today, we're asking for you to give us the truth. Speak to us truthfully today about who we are in you and bring us into a place of rest that you have promised. God, we trust you. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to us. Let us experience the power of your rejuvenating presence. Let the joy of the Lord come down into my soul as I entertain your presence today. Father, I worship you. And I pray you create a firm foundation underneath my feet that is unshakable as I understand the truth of what you've done for me, in me, and you're doing through me, in Jesus' name, amen. there's a lot of stuff here that I don't want you to get all crossed up. I feel like Mark Drake right now, if any of you guys know Mark Drake, where you look at some of these passages, you go, oh my gosh, I can fail God and end up losing his presence? That is not what this passage is saying. Not even close. And what we do is a lot of times we get, and in fact it's saying the opposite thing. Your behavior and how good you are, we are talking about this for weeks now, cannot influence and change your position with Christ. Doesn't get a shift There is one thing, what did it say here, that allows you to enter into his rest? Your faith, your belief. It's the same thing that allowed the Israelites to go over it wasn't their righteousness. Do you know what I'm saying? The Israelites were not even close to righteous enough to enter in. They were a bunch of whiny suckers. Do you know what happened just before that? They offered a, 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 like offerings and sacrifices to a golden calf. And we're worshiping a false idol. I, it, it's just like, and God goes, look, 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 I've got this, okay? Now, there were some consequences for that behavior. <laughs> but he's like, I'm not a ba- I get it, you guys are struggling. We're going to move forward. I've got a better thing for you. Let's just keep moving forward, trust me. Don't- I know you're a disaster and a mess. I, I-, I love you that way. And-, and-, and I'm rescuing from that space. I love you and I see you and I have something good for you. Your behavior doesn't change the way God feels about you. He has a place for you, a destination for you, and he is waiting for you to choose it. He actually prepared it. This passage says he prepared it in advance. Before he made the whole world, he made this space, this place of rest for you and I, and it's waiting for you. It's waiting for me, and it's waiting for us every single day. And there is one moment that happens when you give your life to Jesus and you get saved and the presence of God comes into your life and you're transformed and your spirit man comes alive, is now destined for heaven, not based on what you could have done, but how he loves you and what he did for you. And then there is this practicing of his presence. It's a practicing of entertaining his presence. And we see it here where it says, so let's let's do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, what was the disobedience the Israelites had? Unbelief. So we're talking about if you think that, well, uh, God, this, this place of rest isn't for me, or there's no way I could go in, I'm not good enough, and so I'm choosing not to lean Jesus on your love and believe in you, you won't experience his presence. You won't get saved. If you don't choose Jesus, you won't get saved. You won't enter this place of rest. You will be accountable for your sin. And you'll live out of his presence. And that is the desert. That is Egypt and slavery. That is a death cycle, a loop that just goes around and around of lack and of limitation and of toil. Here on earth and in eternity. One way we're saved and that is through Jesus himself. He's the way, the truth, and the life. When we trust in him, we get set free and we get to enter into this promise. And let's make it a practice that we stay there. And this is not the sense of trying to stay saved. And this is where we get kind of whacked out. Is that God has a reward for us, a benefits package for us, in his promised land, in his presence. And, and, and when we enter in, it's stay in the land. Don't go wandering off somewhere else. Don't go wander off into Philistine land, okay? Don't go wander back to G- Egypt because you're like, yeah, I don't know if the promised land is quite as good as God says it is. I want to see if there's something better for me out there. God's saying, do not go wander over there. And in our spiritual lives, he's saying, listen, you've got to stay in my presence. Cultivate my presence. God's presence is the promised land. His presence is the promised land. Hebrews 3.14 says, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we did when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. When we put our trust and faith in him, we get the reward of his presence and all the benefits that come with it. One of those benefits is salvation. The other is, uh, there's, there's, it's a benefits package, which is a pile of things, and I can just list some. There's no way I could tell you all the things because that would say I know everything about God. Not possible. He is completely, Completely beyond what my brain or my mind or words could ever fully define, right? But our faith is the very thing that pleases God. And it's the one thing that he requires for us to trust in firmly in him. That's the one thing he wants is our faith put in him. Then we share in everything. All the rewards and benefits and blessings come when we trust in him. But you and I, we have to enter We have to get onboarded into his organization on his team. And we do that onboarding process, we we do that when we place our trust simply in Jesus. Okay, Uh, Hebrews chapter three verse 18 says this, and to whom was God speaking when he took an oath when he said they would never enter the rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. If you and I, two two phases here, one, don't trust in Jesus, we don't experience salvation, but if we don't put our trust and faith in him, we're going to toil. We're going to suffer. If we see God wrong and we think we have to earn it and, 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 and try to make up all this ground so we can feel approval and acceptance, if we do all of that stuff and we just keep putting our faith and trust in us, that is actually unbelief. It's, it's a misdirected belief in me instead of him. I don't believe, God, you could provide for me, so I'm gonna take up and I'm gonna pull up the slack for you. John 6, 29, Jesus told him, this is the only work that God wants from you, believe in the one he has sent. It's like this. There's a special passage word that gets you into his presence. You've got to enter. It's it's a password. His name is Jesus. And it opens up. Open says to me, right? It's really Jesus. You want in? You want in every day? Now we move beyond just salvation. You want into his presence every day, to experience his rest every day. You have to enter. You enter in. God, I am entering into your presence to experience the fullness of what you have because I know that in your presence is where the fullness of everything that I want, your full benefits package, it's for me there, nowhere else. I'm not going to go wander off and get distracted and operate in disobedience because that will lead to lack. That will lead to scarcity and lead to all kinds of problems. All right. His compensation plan is pretty simple. You enter, you stay, right? You enter, you press in, you cultivate. When you cultivate that, he begins to empower you, fill you up with the power of his presence. But this is one of the things that I think we have to see. Is that when we're in this space, it is not a place where, like when we go to work at, at our jobs, we go to work and we expect this compensation, right? This payment plan. And when, when I enter into God's presence, it is not about me entering in so that I can now work hard enough so that he lets me take a break. This is our mindset about work, right? With with God, he says, no, no, this is the place of rest. This is the seventh day. In me, this is where my people get to take a break. When you come into his presence, it is a place of rest, not work, not toil. He did all the work. You come in and you rest in his presence, recover in his presence, restored in his presence. But our mindset is, I'm coming to the Lord, and I'm coming to work. And if I work hard enough for the Lord, he'll let me take a 15-minute break at 10, 15, right? And then at noon, I get a half hour or one hour break. If I worked hard enough, I earned that break. And then at the end of the day, I get to take the rest of the time off. We enter into his rest. We enter into his rest, not into his work, not into a, I'm working to be a, a, find approval. No, I get it. When I believe and I trust in God, I actually enter into a lifeboat of rest, a land that it's all provided for me. And it's a place where provision and filling comes and infilling comes. And from that place, I'm now infilled and empowered by his presence in a place of rest, not work. And his rest comes with benefits. See, you and I, we go to work and then we earn benefits. When you go to Jesus, you don't go into him and then work and earn benefits. You come in and you are now empowered as a son, as an heir with everything. And you either partake of it or you don't. You either eat of it or you don't. You either go in or you don't. And it it happens by faith, not by work. We talked last week about these two sons, prodigal sons, that both had the same problem. One, he just wasted everything and ran out of the land, out of his father's land, and he just wasted all of the resources. The other one stayed in, but he didn't partake of any of it. And this is why I believe that the church is in pro- really both spaces right now, where we find ourselves just wild living. And I think even as uh, younger generations are coming up and we're starting to understand more liberty in Christ, we're trying to reconcile where does sin fit? Okay? And we think, well, then I can just do and behave however I want you actually have the liberty to do that. And it will not affect your salvation if you still believe and trust in Jesus. The problem is, is that sin infects your life and the land, and it robs your promise, and it is work, and it is toil, and it is the heaviest of all burdens. And if you think that you or I, we think that we can go off and just sleep with whoever we want without being married, we can just become drunkards if we want. If we can just say whatever we want to whoever we want, none of the, all of those things will become, we can lie, we can steal, we can cheat, we can covet, we can, if we believe that none of those things have any effect on us, we live in a lie. That is the land outside the promised land. And those are the values that are outside God's promised land. They're outside of his presence. They're outside. Uh, they're heavy and they are a burden. They are the Philistines or the, 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 the Gentile, if you want to think, the, the world's ways. Not God's kids' ways. Yeah. And it isn't for acceptance. He did all the work. It's because they are not empowered in his presence. And they create a heavy load for you and I, work and toil and, and, and a burden that is overwhelming. In His presence, in His land of rest, is perfect holiness and righteousness provided for you in the benefits package. His presence is the best benefits package of all time. It provides for you and I light and easy work less living. We don't work for acceptance. In fact, the real kingdom work is done for us and happens through us. When you lay hands on someone and they get healed, did you heal them? No, 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 no. God healed them. You obeyed and you engaged your faith in obedience, but the real power and the real work, he did it, not you. That's why it's light and easy. But if you had to be a doctor to heal someone, you would do like 12 hours of, uh, 12 years of schooling. To train, 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 train. And then you would do so much practicing and all of this and work, 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 work to try to repair someone. But what actually does the repairing? This miracle happening inside of people's bodies that repairs itself. How does your skin like reattach and make itself? I cut the tip of my finger off and it pretty much grew back somehow. That is the miracle of God. How does a baby born and the cells just multiply, 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 multiply until you're a human? God is the one doing the real work. And we are the ones that That when we start to labor and toil, even stuff that looks like Christianity or looks like following Christ and lots of church behaviors, that we're just trying to put pieces together and do stuff, it's not in his rest and it doesn't come with the benefits. It actually becomes heavy and burdensome. But church life should be light and easy. And this is where I love where Mark Drake teaches such profound truths. And if you haven't read his book called God's Brilliant Plan, you should get Mark Drake's book, God's Brilliant Plan. It will set you free. Understanding the truth about what God has done for you. But his rest, one, we have to enter it, but we're entering into rest, not labor. And it comes with tremendous benefits. Grace and peace, 1 Peter 1, 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy as a result. You have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. May God give you more and more grace and peace. When you engage God's presence, he gives you grace, which is power, to do his work and peace. Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds Anything you can understand. Why do we not go after this? We go after his presence. We get peace that blows our mind, is what that says. It'll blow your mind. It exceeds everything. Anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You have to go in and... Rest in and move into his presence. You don't get to earn peace. Some of us think we work really hard and then peace comes. No. Enter his presence and give everything else up. Trust in him and him alone and peace and grace is the reward. Second Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. The Lord be with you all. Do you want peace... Peace is part of the Promised Land. It's in His presence. Joy, Acts two twenty-eight. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with your joy, with the joy of your presence. Come on, I want some joy. Part of this benefits package is experiencing joy in all circumstances. First Thessalonians three nine. How we thank God for you because you, because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. God, I want to enter your presence and your place of rest and experience grace, peace, and joy. If we just got those, how much better would our lives be? But instead we're like, no, forget that. I'm going to go out and go work out in Egypt. I really miss those slave masters whipping me burdening me. Why we choose sin, I don't understand. It's horrible. Horrible. This is one of my favorite ones. Acts 3.20. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. In your Savior, in your Savior is times of refreshment. This is one of the reasons we come into a place of worship is to focus on him, not a song. He is the only place that will refresh you. His presence is the only thing or, per, or, or, or thing on the planet that can bring refreshment into your soul. It's his presence. Acts 4.31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. If you wanna preach the word of God and see the word of God move through your life, it comes from his presence, not your performance. You don't have to memorize more scriptures to lead people to Jesus. You need more of his presence. Now, the scripture will help keep you grounded and help you stay in his presence. Like, live in his presence, not keep you saved, but live and experience the fullness of his presence. But the reality is, is all these people began to preach the word of God when they had no New Testament experience or Bible. And 3,000 people got saved because of his presence, and they preached boldly in his presence. God's presence, the Holy Spirit himself, is the Savior. He saves. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bring us to himself Through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. His presence causes you to belong. To be a part of his family. 2 Corinthians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. All comfort comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from his presence. True comfort he comforts us in all our, all our troubles, all, all, all our troubles, so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us, his presence. Ephesians three nineteen, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Life and power come from God. If you wanna experience life and the power of God, it is in his presence. Romans 12, two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will, his presence will change your mind get in his presence, your head will get straight. Self-control and righteousness come from the presence of God. Romans 13, 14, instead clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think of ways to indulge your evil desires. When the evil desires from your flesh, your outer man, your old man start trying to take over you and trying to just run you over, we just dive into His presence. Our old nature comes into submission when we do this. When we dive into this presence, we we, we take the empowerment away from the flesh and we give it to the spirit and we allow the spirit of God in in a place in a season of rest to empower our inner man, which brings our outer man into alignment. And he's like, oh, that's actually what real life is. And then the, the outer man starts to hunger and thirst for the presence of God. And then righteousness begins to spill out. 1 John 2, 27, but you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. Where does He live? In you. So don't, you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. God wants you to remain with him. He wants to be your instructor and your teacher. If you're confused about stuff, go to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside you, not your outer man. Your outer man's gonna wanna protect you and make you try to feel better and okay. Your inner man is connected to the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna bring alignment to your outer man and say, eh, here's some adjustments that need to be made. I'm gonna tell you the truth about who I am and who you are. Psalms 37, 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. The people that really know how to cultivate or encounter God through His presence, they know how to be still and rest and not work in that place. And they wait for God to move. And they learn it's not about me, but it's about Him in His movement through my life. Hebrews 4.12. I just want you to get, before I say I just want to say it this way. Your job to enter on board, choose Jesus, enter his presence. Know that his presence is a place of rest. Go into rest, not work. Then your job is to remain, stay in. Don't get out, okay? Don't run, don't think somewhere else, something else is going to cause you to be better. No, remain in fellowship with Christ. Stay in fellowship with him. Wait patiently for him and his presence to move and to act. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than the sharpest of two-edged swords. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are all accountable. Verse 14, so then, since we have such a great high priest, so God opens us and peels us open, we see everything. He knows everything going on in your life. And we go, I'm exposed. And actually, this could be a place where I feel uh, like a lot of toxic shame. I don't measure up. But instead, he says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of those same things that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly into the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Where I'm out of alignment, where I'm messed up, where my life is a mess, where I need help, I'm gonna enter his presence. Let's take our marriages and enter his presence. Let's take our problems and enter into his presence. Let's try to stop just working so hard against him and let's, how about we submit them to the Lord? and bring our trouble, our fear, our worry, our toxic shame where we don't measure up, all of these things that are such our rejection and our hurt, all of those things, let's bring those into his presence, our loneliness into his presence. If today we could make a shift, God, I need you most. I need you most, nothing else. I just need you the most. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're here today and that's in your heart, Jesus, I need you the most. I need you the most. I need your love the most. I need salvation the most. Jesus, I want to trust in you. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, it'll take just a moment. I'll pray with you right where you're sitting. Would you stretch your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I want to pray. I want to receive Jesus Yeah, I see your hand, thank you. Anybody else? Yep, thank you. People raising their hands around here to give their life to Jesus. Anybody else? Jesus, I need you most. Yep, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down, let's pray. Jesus, I believe you're God. I declare you as my savior. Rescue me. Bring me into a place of rest in you. Set me free and fill me with your love. In Jesus' name. Now, church, let's pray this. Let's, let's take all of our troubles and worries, and we're going to take communion in a second, but uh, as we just declare, Jesus, you're our everything. But can we just lay down every other bad idea we had whatever it happens to be, that we thought something else would be better than His presence? Father, in Jesus' name, I repent for every way that I thought I could provide something better than Your presence. Everywhere that I thought somebody else could provide something more secure or better for me than Your presence. That my money, or my job, or my title, or my family, or a wife, or a woman, or a man, wherever my position is, or children, that they would provide for me peace that they would provide for me fulfillment, that any of those things could provide for me a place of rest, a place of joy. God, I need none of those things to experience your joy, your peace, your grace, your goodness. Jesus, all I need is you, and the reward is your presence. God, I want your presence more than anything in my life. Jesus, I want you. Come on, church. Jesus, I want you more than anything in my life. I don't want to be right. I don't want to know everything. God, I don't want to be everything. I don't want to be the best at everything. I don't want to have the most of everything. I don't want to be farther along than everybody else. God, I just want you. I don't need more money in my bank account to be successful. God, I just need you. Forgive me for every way that I've allowed anything to rise itself up against the knowledge of Christ the knowledge that your presence is the best, that Jesus, you are the best. You, God, you, Holy Spirit, are the promised land. And I enter into your promised land today, right now, and I only do it through the blood of Jesus, through what you did for me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at UniteChurchAK.org. We hope to see you soon.